for score. There's one rule. Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge for the Champions Playbook podcast. Trying to hone in all my sounds here. Which you'd think they wouldn't change. Well, that doesn't help. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Welcome back to the Champions Playbook. Um, okay, so live Q&A focused around physical therapy with our friend Alex here. And fitness. And fitness. Just any questions around that or how it ties into the golf swing, whatever. So we, don't, we usually we get some questions here on the Champions Playbook about golf, but I feel like everybody here either is affected by physical fitness in one way or another. What'd you do there, bud? I have no idea. <laughs> My mic still worked. Did you hear that? That was a weird sound. I did hear that. But I feel like everybody here is, uh, is affected in different ways by physical fitness and physical therapy, right? And so I think this would be an awesome way to have anybody's questions answered um, around anything in that realm, whether it relates to golf or not. I would agree with that. Um, and we're going to start um, this section not with necessarily a Q&A, but actually to have her... Go through just a couple of parts that maybe we wouldn't see out of a TPI eval. Um, and then I can kind of talk a little bit how it relates to the golf swing after the fact. Um, and then we'll we'll go from there. We'll take questions after that. So we'll do this for like three to five minutes. And then Jack, I think, is going to help hold the mic so she can explain what she's doing as she's doing it because she'll be hands-on uh, for a good bit of it. So All right, let's go then. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, baby. Okay. Just just call me in whenever you need okay. me. Okay. So um, I I kind of already know what I'm gonna show on you because it was what I, I did the um the full eval on him. Like I said, it takes like an hour, an hour and a half, but um I know a part of him. So um, one thing that you start off doing on the TPI. Uh, the, the general TPI exam is you test for lat flexibility. Um, so you sit, you kind of do like a wall sit and, and you, uh, long story, I mean, you just lift your hands up. If you can't touch your thumb to the wall while keeping your back flat, then they say that's limited and they give you stretches to do. Sometimes you don't need stretches because like I said earlier, I don't know if I can say this point enough, you're not always tight. Sometimes you're just weak. Sorry, not calling you out. You're super strong, but he's weak at some points. Anyways, so um, one thing that we did, go ahead and lay on your stomach. Uh, yeah, either way. Either way. And then, um, so your lats, what they do is they bring your arm overhead like this. So, or they, br they bring your arm down. But so obviously if they're bringing your arm down like this, like a, if you think of like a pull-up, you're using your lats. So you're pulling yourself up. Your arm is going behind your back. If your lats are tight, you're not going to be able to go the opposite way because they're super contracted right here. So you're going to be like, okay, I can't get my arms any higher. So he had, quote, tight lats. So we're going to test that. So put your, uh, put your thumbs up. Okay. Lift. Face the crowd. Lift this arm up off the table. Okay, so that's not a lot, right? You would think like, oh, well, Scott, you need a stretch. Um, okay. And we're back. Anyways, so I'll let you hold it now. So do that again. So you would think, wow, he's super tight. He can't move. Now relax. Now watch me move him. 
So that's like a lot more, obviously. So what would we would want to do is this is like that part of where is it like postural? Is it neuromuscular? Um, so that's whenever I would kind of take him back into the gym and, and I did, we took him back in the gym. We did like some scapular, um, uh, movements, like we did some hanging raises and that kind of stuff. And it was literally just a neuromuscular disconnect. Even that right there was more than he had. Wouldn't you think that was more than you had last time? Okay. And then another thing that we did that I, I remember is scoot back on the table a little bit and kind of, do you remember whenever we took? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, another thing that we realized whenever I was testing Scott is that, uh, one thing that you do in the SFMA is you put your feet together, your knees together, hands on your hip and you twist. So if your hips and your shoulders don't move the same amount, so it's supposed to be like 50, 50 ish percent, then, uh, you're, you're tight. Or once again, you have a weakness. So this is one where it's like, can they do it or can I do it for them? So, um, put your hand behind your back. Um, either one. And what he's going to try to do, which is what I do in the exam. And this, by the way, this is testing for low back rotation. So try to bring this elbow up towards the ceiling. So obviously he's not twisting very much. He's using his elbow, but he's not twisting his back very much. So here you go. So what I would then do is do it again, which is easier doing that. Actually, can I go on the other side? I'm, I'm needy. I would have him do that again, and then I would try to move him. So I still can't twist him up very much. So this would be mobility. This is whenever I would come in and I would dry needle, I would do mobilization, I would do my nips, cupping, scraping, whatever we've got to do to get this motion back because I can strengthen his core. You hear that all the time. Oh, your core is weak, your core is weak. If, if he's tight right here and I go straight into strengthening his core, he's still tight. You can only move as much as your body allows you to move. So if I start strengthening his core, he's going to get super, super strong in the range of motion that he has. Just like if you go out there and you hit 100 balls out there, you're going to get super, super great in the range of motion that you're allowed to get great in. But that's not the goal. So, yeah. Anyways. We'll do the other side. Yeah. That way you all can see. Okay. Lift this elbow up. So obviously no rotation back here. He's compensating with his elbow quite a bit. Do it again. So big difference. Explain to uh, um, everybody at home listening what just happened. So especially for whenever he was laying on his stomach and I asked him to put it, he put his arm straight out in front of him while he's laying on his stomach and your thumb is up. That's, that's how you kind of test for the lat uh, flexibility. He barely lifted his arm off the table. Uh, whenever I picked up his arm and told him to relax in that same position, it moved significantly more. So, like I said, that's, that's not flexibility. It looks like flexibility. That's a strength issue. Versus when he was on his stomach um, and he uh, had his hand behind his back and he rotated, it looked like he got a lot, but he was overcompensating with his elbow. Whenever I tried to move him, he still wasn't moving. He still wasn't moving he moved less on his left than he did his right, but um, still, that's that's a mobility thing. That's where physical therapy and manual therapy comes into play. Physical therapy comes into play with the neuromuscular weakness, too, because if I gave him a bunch of exercises to do in the gym um, and he didn't have that 
neuromuscular connection, he would overcompensate with a different muscle and he still wouldn't strengthen that. So that's where physical therapy comes into play where it's like I force him to use the muscle that he has to use. And for those that were here and those that are at home, that right there is why you don't do a TPI eval. Yeah, you don't get that in TPI. No, you don't even get close to it that. Is a, it's a good global or vague. Yeah, I mean, you it's, know. it's a super surface level, but it doesn't get to what we actually need to get to. Um, and for me, it's like, all right, before I start any of my workouts, any of the days, I've got to do 10 to 20 of those scapular things, and then we'll probably add to that as we go. So um, it's just a reason to actually get evaluated the way you need to. It's like... You can go get a golf lesson for 50 bucks from somebody down the street, or you can come see me for 125 and get get the actual value out of the thing that you're paying for. So, um, you know, she's not cheap, but, like, what you're going to get from there is going to be well worth what it is that you need. So I, think I also like that also she's a physical therapist and not just, like, a personal trainer. Like, that's – Both. Yeah. Being able to do both is, is – incredible i think people too uh this is something that i think about sometimes is i think a lot of people don't understand the benefits of the gym um because you don't radically change from being super strong to relatively weak right it it happens over time no like when you deteriorate right and so you don't understand how much of a like when and then you you hear some people like well back in my day you know when i was you know, I could I could hit the ball this far or I could squat this much, right? It's like I don't think people understand how much now. overall being in the gym every day and, and overall health is so important to um, and anything and everything that you do on a day-to-day basis. I think it's a good segue. Questions? Somebody come up. Chuck. Oh, yeah, here. Use my mic. I don't need to talk. I don't know if I need to talk. I don't know if I need to <laughs> Anyway, uh, I did want to talk or elaborate on what you just asked because my question is, is all of us start losing, or at least from what I understand, a male population starts losing muscle mass from 30 on. Is that correct? It depends on what you do in the okay, gym. So, yeah. so like I'm 64 years old and no, it, so like I'm 30 years into this, right? Yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, Thank you. I didn't think it was 74. But here's, here's what I'm noticing lately is, you know, when I retired from the military, I was 198 pounds. And that was back in 1998. So I don't think I've done anything to lose weight. The highest I ever was was 232, and I'm 195 now. I don't think I'm losing fat. I think I'm losing muscle mass. So what do you recommend for, because I, I golf with a lot of people, like leave this young man over here who's getting ready to start, and then I golf with people that are in their 80s, and I'm that guy that can't hit the ball as far as I used to. So how often, I guess, how often do you think a, a person has to work out or should work out a week in order to maintain or not lose as much? You know, how, how many hours a week should, should a person devote to uh, weight training? I do a lot of cardio, and that's it. So, so I think, and this is probably going to be like the, your least favorite answer, I think age is just a number. So if you can, I mean, you know, if you can. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'll be here all night. 
Um, <laughs> there, yeah. I'm 13 in my head. Well then, it's well then, let's train. Like you're 13. Right. I mean, but but in reality, let let's be honest. Like, okay, I'm not calling you out at all. Just so we're all aware, I'm just a naturally a sassy human. This just is who I am. Um, once again, we we're not strength training right now, right? Doing a lot of cardio. Which, hey, props to you. I hate cardio, but um. Uh, that's that's in your head, and this is your brain. This is your brain telling you, hey, you're not 25. Don't get under the bar. No one else is telling you that except yourself. You can get under that bar. You can do a squat. You can do a deadlift. You can do whatever you want to do. It's just you need someone to show you the correct form and have the confidence to do it. Right now, your brain's telling you, you don't need to get in the gym. You can't do that. You are totally capable of doing that. If you weren't capable of squatting, you're not going to be able to get in your car to go drive. If you're not capable of deadlifting, if I knock your phone out of your hand, you can't pick it up off the floor. You're totally capable of it. It's just your brain telling you you can't do it in the gym. Well, I feel capable. I just don't have the self-discipline. And that's where I come it. in. Okay, so <laughs> I need the self-discipline to do it, and I'm trying to figure out what I have to commit myself to. Yeah, I would um, say, I'd say, I mean, if I was going to give, like, a general um, assessment to someone, I'd say... Three to five times a week. Okay. Uh, I would say legs two times a week, even if you're just doing three. Legs, especially for men, ex- especially for men, because with here's some science coming in for y'all. Uh, leg days increase testosterone. So, um, and there you go. So, um, <laughs> that's funny. That's so great. So, yeah, yeah. So the more legs There's your you cure do, to low T. Yeah. Yeah, scientifically proven leg days, heavy leg days increase testosterone. So for men, uh, especially, it's very important for uh, at least, I would say at least twice a week, uh, leg day. And then um, any kind of compound upper body day. So uh, chest press, military press, that kind of stuff. Alex, I have a question for you. You're welcome. I have a question for you, Alex. Um, For people who are just getting into weightlifting or exercising, right? I see young Daniel out there in the audience, a listener of the Champions Playbook through and through, baby. Um, what would you recommend to people who are like just starting at a younger age uh, as far as like getting stronger as you develop and like go into high school, go into college? Uh, what, do, what do they have to do? So this is, this, this is something a little different because obviously bones are still growing. Uh, and, and we've got a lot more flexibility, a lot more um, movement than, than, you know, the typical uh, person who's already kind of reached growth. Um, I mean, they can, I, I still say that they can kind of do what, I mean, especially with, um, you know, supervision, they can kind of do whatever they, they are capable of doing. At that age, in a strength room, you need guidance, you need supervision, and you need uh, someone to, you need someone to tell you what to do. Um, they can't make the decision. I mean, that's just they just can't make the decision of saying like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put another ten pounds on whenever a, a, a qualified person is standing in front of them and they see, you know, knees dip in in a squat, then that would be my cue, like, oh, maybe we need to back off of the squats. They can't decide that because they're so flexible. They don't, they don't have the complete, like, control of their body that, that we have. That's one of my favorite ones is like, well, I don't want them to lift because they're going to get too, they're, they're going to, they're, it's going to no. either stunt their growth, which there's no science that actually backs that. That's an old wives' tale. That's a myth. 
Um, and the other one is like, well, they're going to bulk up. Like, they got to stay flexible. I was like, they are so flexible, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Until they go through a massive growth spurt where that bone grows so much and pulls the tension on the muscle. Like, and even then, they're still <laughs> really mobile. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why juniors, like, a lot of times they'll get to the point where they can actually move the club faster than they can physically control it, which is also what leads to injury even in, even in kids in their low back, their neck, their hips, their elbows, their wrists they don't have enough strength to be able to actually control the thing that's going on and it's controlling them. So they can produce more force than they can actually control. Yeah. Because they're so all right. over the place. They, they don't have any, like, they don't even know where their body is at that age. Here's a guy that's in the gym once in a while. Yeah. Every now and then. Man, this guy's 64, man. A round of applause again. Boy, that's awesome. That's my guy. Uh, hey, thanks for coming out. <laughs> Let's know. Okay, there we go. You're a 13, remember? That's what you said. In your uh, <laughs> absolutely. There we go. I love it. In the mind, for sure. Uh, well, thanks. This is certainly enjoyable. And I will say that uh, one of the first things that I learned when I started working with Scott, he would always say, well, don't look at the Internet because you're going to find everything that you want on it, don't want to see, and it's going to be maybe opposite of what I'm saying. And I find that interesting because what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but if you look at the internet, you hear things that are exactly the opposite. So I say, how do you like really filter the information when it comes to what is that you're trying to pursue, specifically to the total approach? Like I believe my weaknesses are, I'm not very flexible. I can't touch my toes, but I can't turn very much. Uh, you read about how to do those things, and then you read about, okay, body type and diet and eat by your blood type, or this is your actual body, body type. Uh, are you considering those kinds of things, or how do you filter through the noise? So that's, that's so true. Like, literally, in, in today's world with the Internet, you can literally believe anything you want to believe because there's evidence on the Internet saying, hey, you're right, and there's evidence on the Internet saying, hey, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, to someone who, which this is, I'm not like bragging or anything, but it's okay. That's why you're here. Okay. Tell us what you do. I, well, I, like I, I did, I did go to school seven years, um, to learn this stuff. And then I've had so many continuing education classes. I think I'm going to, my brain is going to explode soon. But, um, I, with that being said, I mean, you, you learn in the end, like I said, I've had seven years. So. I've been taken through the uh, classes, and, and I've had experience myself. Um, and then th with the Internet, obviously, I would never, for example, um, if someone thinks their hamstrings are tight, mm -hmm. stretching your hamstrings, not going to hurt you. It's, it's, a, it's perfect, actually. If you want to take time to stretch your hamstrings, do it. If you want to foam roll, I'm all for it. If it makes you feel better, as a physical therapist, that is my goal to be like, hey, that made you feel better. Maybe that's what we need to start doing in physical therapy. I'm not always right. I know I'm not because the majority of a physical therapy package with me is me trying to figure out how I can best help you. You're the only person in your body. I can't tell you like I like needling is 100 percent going to help. And every time you come in and you're like, hey, I, after the needling session, I got super tight. Research says needling is one of the best things you can do. If your body doesn't respond to that, I can't keep taking you through that. 
So it's really more of a trial and error part on my end. And if it's that way with me, then I have to explain to my clients like, hey, it's going to be the same way with you. So this is the time where it's like when you get home and you have back pain after you golf, just like every other time you've had back pain and you golfed and you went and sat in your recliner, it didn't help. So let's try to do something different. Let's try to stretch your hamstrings. If that doesn't help, then maybe next time when you have, you know, low back pain after golfing, don't stretch your hamstrings. Don't sit in the recliner because neither one of those have helped. Maybe we go do press-ups. You know, we kind of, it's kind of more of an educational role on my part at that end. Because like you said, like the internet is full of information. You can believe whatever you want to believe. So at that point, it's like, well, let's tease that information out. Let's let's both figure out what's going wrong so I can help you figure out how to help yourself. I, I think this is where the internet shoots a lot of general information out that works in certain circumstances, but maybe not in all. And sometimes people fall into something by accident just because there's so much information out there and you consume enough, you find something that works. But it may be temporary. There are unintended side effects of that. And it... I think especially since Marv's taken lessons from me for about a year now, you're getting to hear a similar theme to the way I approach it of like, I'm trying to get in tune with your body and how it moves and what you need. And the measuring stick is the score on the card. The measuring stick in her area is, are we actually making improvements in those areas? And she can test it and assess it. Like she can't test it like I tested in the score on the card or the stats on your scorecard, but she can assess it in, are we able to do that? Can we lift more? Can we move faster? Can we, do I have more neuromuscular control of that movement? What, whatever it may be. And so I think for most people, it's like, go find somebody that's qualified like this. And there, there's not a lot, there's a lot of people that have the marks next to it. She has a lot of training. She has evidence in her clients of like, we can see measured improvement over time. Um, and there's a lot of people that have the initials behind their name that don't actually know what they're doing and so you need somebody that knows your body and can help you through it like I thought like I just need to pull my shoulders back more when I swing a golf club like because you can see the roundedness in the top of my top of my back well actually I need to strengthen that part of my body and retrain how to actually move in that manner now that's going to take me a long time before it actually shows up in my golf swing but I think what we're getting at is a very similar line of I'm trying to get in tune with your body, and if we need to make adjustments as we go, we do. So Awesome. Thank great you. Great question, Marv. You can do hard things. That's right. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this and you're riding in your car, get out of your car and push it down the interstate. <laughs> 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 we, got, we got two back-to-back. -back. Okay, Alex. Um, here, here, here's my thing. I've been through two back surgeries in the last four years. I'm held together with nine screws and two pieces of tubing. Um, and I'd love to get back into golf and generally getting fit, you know, more fit. I'm a little bit, let's just say, scared, worried about hurting myself again. Uh, and, I, and, and so I'm sort of like, okay, where do we, where do we start with this? Yeah. Uh, to kind of get back into back into doing stuff again i completely understand that i mean that's first of all lucky you you get extra parts that's awesome um okay congrats on the tubing um with that being said um I, that's now part of your body 
And you need to be able to work with someone who understands how to work with this new part of your body. So I'm willing to bet that you are not mobile and that's never going to change, which means that half of your lifting experience is going to be different than a normal human's lifting experience is going to be. That's going to be stuff that on assessment day or as, as workouts continue, uh, we take you through. If, if you can't, for example, if you can't go below parallel on a squat, then that just means you can't go below parallel on a squat. What your focus needs to be is let's get strong in the areas that I can get strong in because there's no reason on this planet for someone to say that there is one way to do anything. There is never one way to do anything. You have tubing. Not, there's not many people have a tube in their back. Hence, you're not going to do stuff the same way that someone who doesn't have a tube is going to do stuff. You're not going to swing a club the same way someone who does not have tubing is going to swing a club. There's no one way for everything. Right. And I've even been researching things into like uh, single length golf clubs. Right. Because you stand closer to the ball, it's theoretically it's easier to swing with a bad back uh, yeah. than the standard golf clubs. Right. So I mean, you know, I'm trying to you know figure out when I you know do get back, how do I how do I do this? And and I think I've got to get to a level of strength first before we even get to Scott and you know and start taking some lessons. And See, this is this it. is where we're back to the like they're afraid to get under the bar. They're afraid to come and go ahead and come see me like. Like with Phil, like if we waited for him to get stuff done with you, then we, I mean, we'd be waiting a year yeah. before we do anything. But Phil's already playing better golf by, I work around what their body's able to do. And for people with uh, back pain or surgeries or whatever, um, I move to substantially longer and flatter clubs for a lot of them that allows them to stand their back up where they can rotate more this way. They're not bent over, not as much hip hinge. Uh, that doesn't put as much stress on those parts of their body. So I like I've worked with a ton of people. I actually had a guy um, last year. He signed up for a 15 minute eval. He had had multiple back surgeries. He has such bad back pain that he's in the bed for several days after playing. And he's like, I'm just going to cancel my eval. I think I'm going to give up the game. I said, just if you think about it in over the next couple of months, just hit me up and at least let me try. I've worked with people like you who've had so much pain. We can build a golf swing around that. Like that's, I actually love those kind of cases because I get to work outside the box. Um, and he finally came back three months later and he doesn't hit it as far, but he's playing without pain and he's getting to enjoy a game he played for 30 years. And to me, that's one of the most exciting things is to be able to do that. Well, and also goes back to what we were talking about last episode when we were saying, you don't have to be massive to play this game incredibly well as well. I mean, there's people out here uh, who are playing from the tips with me who sometimes on the first tee I walk up and I'm like, you know, you shouldn't be here. And, like, they can hit an approach shot from 160, 170 yards and stick it two inches close to the pin, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> like, that's fun for me to be able to have to swallow my pride in that area. So um, being big and being strong doesn't necessarily mean that you're uh, – a better golfer than somebody who's not right and same way in the gym I mean just because you can't get in the same range of motion that someone else can get in doesn't mean that you can't do the same movement that they can do there's just modifications well and we both follow squat university and she's done way more research than I have I grew up around it with my parents being in the fitness world in various capacities um, but 
there's this idea of like squatting and deadlifting are bad for your back. And obviously the way he would do it would be different than a lot of others, but there's a ton of research that actually shows that squatting and deadlifting is much better for the bone structure in your back than it is to not do anything. And so it actually, you can give more of the science. What I like to, whenever anyone, whenever any of my clients come to me and they're like, my, you know, everyone's told me not to squat or everyone's told me not to deadlift. I ask, did the person who tell you that squat or deadlift? Or did they just tell you that? Because they typically don't. So most of the time, they're like, no, they didn't squat or deadlift. And I'm like, okay. So they still have back pain. You still have back pain. Maybe let's try squatting and deadlifting. And if it doesn't work, I let me just say, if it does not work, if I put you in a, in a workout routine and you come to me for a few weeks in a row or or you come to me the next day and you're like oh my pain is so much worse we figure out a different plan sometimes squatting's not for everyone squatting's not for everyone and I totally get that but most of the time people get their advice from people who don't do the movement here's another caveat to that smith machine squat or like for somebody who has severe back pain or somebody who has you know uh you know screws nuts and bolts all in them what would you recommend as far as free weights versus a, a Smith machine or assisted weights or anything that might be able to help certain people in certain situations? Or is that just something that you come up with after your general eval? Um, well, I definitely want to do the general eval first. But for the most part, 90% of the time, free weights all the time. Because a Smith machine, you're not using your core as much as you could with a, with a free weight. We just go down in weights, and that's perfectly fine. Or maybe we don't go all the way down which I'm sure plenty of people would attack me for that saying you want the best form. You don't, no one has the best form. Let me, no one has the best form. Everyone is shaped different. Everyone is different. Everyone's best form is going to be their best form. For example, I can't go below parallel in a squat because my, my hips cave in every single time. It doesn't matter if I'm doing body weight and, and I can squat a lot. So I know I'm stronger than that. That's just how I'm laid out. So, I mean, it's, I would rather use free weight, um, before we go to an assisted device, just because if you're going to be working out, you want to use your core. That's how you're going to use your core. Well, and that's the point I, I like that you, like you keep dropping the weight down until we figure out where's that for each person. And it's different. Like some people it's body weight. It's where you start and you build over time. It's like, well, lifting that's, isn't that unsafe for you? It's like Erica can do 800 pounds on a leg press. It's like, isn't that, isn't that dangerous? Like she's built up to that over 18 months and she's anatomically built to be able to do it. She'll be able to do over a thousand within a short period of time. So everybody's built different. Everybody starts in a different place. And I think that's a huge point. Other questions? Miracle, come on up. I have to start. Uh, she will, because <laughs> we think the same. <laughs> I have a little bit your favorite uh, listening this podcast for you know for a time being. You like to use. I have a little bit different opinion about the topics, and uh, I have a little bit different opinion about both of you who favors, you know, muscular buildup, weights, and that stuff. Uh, 
on the both sides, looking professional, you know, athletes, players, I am focusing more on the tennis because that's the sport that I grew up. Uh, and on the other side, as the person who two and a half years ago barely moved because I needed 45 minutes to start to walk in the morning because of sitting 45 years and didn't stretch. I played tennis, but I didn't listen. Any, anybody advised, you know, stretch and do that, I was gonna, that will never happen to me, but did happen. Uh, on a professional side, so many uh, tennis players who were forced about four, five, six years ago to go and build the muscle, lift the weights, they disappeared from the tour because they lost speed, flexibility, and they were still great athletes, but they were not able to perform to stay and be on the top five. Uh, I'm more leaning, Alex, sorry, Scott, but I'm more leaning what you said. Uh, that's proving that professional uh, sports and also in my personal case, that I realized, you know, for me to come back and stay long, Pilates helped a lot. And I used dry needling, acupuncture, everything to recover myself because on a rush clinic in Chicago, he spent four minutes looking on a computer, even didn't look at me, said, oh, we'll just fuse your L4 and L5 and you will be fine. And I was thinking, no, you will not do that. You know, and I strongly believe in that PT flexibility for us older. Sorry, Chuck, uh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like uh, uh, in our age, you know, it's so important to stay flexible and healthy to play a long time. And then, you know, like that part, I will support, you know, to work on that perfect, if it's something perfect in the life, combination bef before building muscular, but stay flexible. And I, I was watching like Novak Djokovic, you know, for four or five years in UMAG, in the Croatia Open. He spent three, four hours daily on a massage table, just worked on his flexibility, you know, and then, you know, he's already, 20 years on a top three in the world with almost no injuries, but combination building muscular for this kind of sports. That what's your opinion? Uh, what you you need to yeah add? yeah. So like, what's my opinion on like the kind of combo of yes. it? Okay, yeah, no, that's that's one reason why I decided to open my own clinic because so many, uh, there's just so many PT clinics and, and not only PT, there's just, there's so many people in general that have one opinion of flexibility is so important. So you'll go into a clinic and, and kind of like you said, they'll get on their computer, their doc, their, you know, double, triple book, they're documenting one person and, and they've got you on the side and they'll stretch your shoulder for 15 minutes and then they get back on their computer. They give you a couple self stretches to do and then, you know, you just, you paid to get stretched pretty much. And then there's some places that once again, you're double, triple booked, you go in and you do, they don't touch you. 
at all the whole time. And, and you do, uh, you know, a couple banded exercises that you've done the past few weeks in a row that you just memorized by now. And then you leave. Um, so one, one reason I wanted to start my own clinic is because for one, um, if you're not mobile, then like I said, you can only gain strength where you're mobile. Uh, the, the first thing they teach us in PT school is you have got to get mobile before you can get strong or else you're limited to being strong where you're mobile. So if you're tight, that's where I come in. Like I said, with the dry needling, with all that stuff, we get you mobile. And then after that, your body is in a new range of motion. So um, if you were strong and you could lift your shoulder or your arm up to shoulder level, then you're super strong right here. But now you've got all this motion after physical therapy and your body doesn't know what to do with it. So it's unstable, which sounds, you know, aggressive. But that's where the strength comes in. That's where I, I take you through some exercises. And yeah, I'm not like anti-bands. Like we can use bands. It's not a thing. Um, but that's where I push your body past its limits. We learn how to stabilize it. And and the combo of the flexibility and the strength come into play. So I'm all for the combination. Love it. Well, and so I'm actually more in agreement with Miracle than he thinks I am in the sense of... Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. So, you make my day well, and th- this is this is what this is what happens a lot. Like a lot of times, people will kind of grab on one thing unintentionally, or they hear me talk about it a lot, and so it's kind of hanging on one thing, which is why I'm asking her to, like, I want to send all fitness stuff to her. Like, I don't want to touch it. It's not what I'm best at. Like, and I need to be focused. That's a great decision. You yeah, know, I think it's so beneficial for all of us to hear that. Yeah, and so like Jason Duffner lost a lot of weight and added a lot of strength and disappeared on the tour. So like in one of my really early podcasts, I think it was like episode 12 or 13. If you're listening to this, you can go back to like, I have a, there's one rule. That's kind of where we came up with that. Shoot a lower score. I even talk about fitness. If it doesn't get you to shoot a lower score, stop doing it. Like what, like Jason Duffner disappeared. Uh, you see it with tennis professionals. Like if it, like, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it? Bryson's doing it as a part of a giant experiment. That's his whole his, but his whole thing is like, I'm trying to find the best way to shoot lower scores, and he's trying all of it and like applauding him for that. Now, that's not for everybody. Cantley's hitting it 50, 60 yards behind him and beats him in a playoff. Like, so that's the unique thing of like being able to find the formula that works best for you. And especially when players start doing it late in their, like when they've already had a lot of success, when you start entering like massive muscular and neuromuscular changes, that whole wiring in your brain changes from the movements that you've learned and you've got to recode all of those neurons and how they fire and work around each other. And that's one of the issues I have with like, I love getting juniors early and building them strong early. So that way when they're already, they learn to win and their body learns to adjust. And then we just play maintenance through their higher ranks. But I don't like like these kids that don't train all year and then they go to college. This is golf. You don't see this a lot in the other sports, but like we don't train all year and then, uh, oh, yeah, the first, the first like, six weeks of golf practice, oh, we're going to all start working out now. These guys and girls haven't worked out all – like, what, what are you doing? Like, they're going to all of a sudden start playing poorly because of all of the changes that happen rapidly in that moment in time. So it's just – I think we're a lot more in agreement. Like, if it's not getting you to perform better and it's not what you physically need, then why, why are you doing it? Like, I, would, I would like to hear uh, – so your opinion about uh, 
is that should be some education part in the sport, particularly you know, golf, what's your knowledge, that uh, doing that training and uh, flexibility part uh, protect athletes later in their life to stay mobile and healthy because now we are focused for these young people only to deliver results and let's say I will strong word abuse the body and then you see and I saw in my life on the airplanes you know flying as a passenger right uh, famous names who can barely walk and they're in the 50s or you have to call for the wheelchair I said oh my god you know I saw him like 10 years ago he was jumping or you know delivering on a, on a court is well, that some names that you know in the golf that have the similar experience or uh, golf has a lot less of that so golf has this stigma like golf's bad for your back it's the only sport you can play that long that and tennis, but even tennis starts to run its course from a cardiovascular and a risk of falling and things like that. And so, like, oh, golf's bad for your back. Well, if you move wrong, it might be. But that's back to, like, yeah. <laughs> that's back to her a little bit. Or me building a swing around what you're capable of doing. Golf's the only sport you can play that long. I'd be willing to bet. And I know a lot of people that don't play golf, they have way more back and hip problems and knee problems than those that actually play the game because they're staying active, they're – they're staying healthy. They're just. Do you think he's yeah. dev developing young gentleman here to be part of his growth, not only technique? Yeah, no, and absolutely. Well, and we're going to talk about that. Mental and then that physical part, what's important to carry him, you know, to stay healthy and do the best to prevent, like, back injuries. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a lot in this next episode, too, about, like, that's why we're calling it um, lifting heavy to case to squat. Uh -huh. And we'll get into some of those general things of, like, general health, like learning to be fit and exercise at a young age. And you can start whenever. Um, there's that lady on Instagram. She didn't start lifting till she was in her 70s. And she deadlifts and she squats. Now, she's able to because she didn't have any other injuries. But, like being able to get in the gym and get healthy and like she didn't take that on till late in her life. Like you can start at any time and it's it's really kind of cool to see like general health can start not just at young Daniel's age but at we'll use Chuck sixty four or seventy three or oh, he's not sixty four or, right? or <laughs> yeah Jack. <laughs> so like you can start anywhere and go ahead and begin that and fitness just shouldn't all be about performance. You also need to think about the longevity of your your health and your life. Uh, you know, that's my, that. I will finish with that kind of uh, top players in any sport, the p perfect balance between physical part, stay injury-free, skills, and mental part. Yeah. What mm -hmm. the Chuck brought, right? Who's gone? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. That was excellent. We'll take one more and then wrap this one up. Or we can wrap it up now. Uh, I have an online one. Okay. You have an online one, then we'll end, we'll end with that one. So this one's from uh, one of our guest co-hosts last week, uh, Scott Spector. Hold on. Okay. Um, I'll let her. You're the best, Scott. Sorry, you just yanked that out of Scott, other Scott's hand. It says, um, what periodization would you recommend for a senior athlete? 
peak season being April through September uh, would be, and what would be the focus areas and avoidance areas given health is, uh, is um, given he's, he's healthy. Oh my goodness. Words. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So uh, uh, dumb down the periodization part. What was he talking about? Just like during peak totally season? During peak season. Okay. Okay, so once again, um, first of all, there's no such thing as golf fitness. So, um, with that, with that, with that being, no, 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 no. So when he says peak periodization, I totally understand what he's saying. You know, a football player wants to be at their best in football season. A, a bodybuilder wants to be at their best in bodybuilding season. With that being said, they never go out of shape if they are serious about their job. So here we are. Uh, peak periodization. That's 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 a strong word to be honest. In my opinion. Let, let's just say like peak golf season. Um, he. Uh, it, it, let's. You don't ever want to start a fitness program with the end result in mind being I want to be at my peak from the bottom. So you want to stay in shape. Like, like, let's, let's just be honest. Um, where if, if you play a sport, you're, you're not going to finish your season and think like, Oh, thank goodness. I have, you know, four months off. I'm not going to do anything. That's not that, that doesn't happen. And, and if you're an athlete, you understand that, that, that does not happen in your head. So, um, with that being said, and I think what he was asking was, um, Exercise. Let me look at the question again. It was like exercise. What would be focus areas? Focus areas are the normal exercises that you would do in your regular time. That's you want compound movements. We want full body movements, squats, deadlifts, chest press, military press. We want movements that are going to challenge our entire body. And with that being said, the next priority is consistently challenging your body. So I can't necessarily say like, Hey, April through September, focus on your hamstrings. No. But what I can say is, hey, April through September, let's focus on hitting a different new each week. So maybe one week we go up 10 pounds in weight. And then the next week, instead of doing eight reps, we do 12 reps. Um, but with that, like I said, with that being said, it's just like any other sport. It's, I mean, yeah, you want to be your best at that season, but that doesn't change your off season. You're still going to be training. So, I think I answered that. Periodization threw me off, so. <laughs> well, uh, that'll do it for our live Q&A. Alex, thank you. Great questions, too. Those were fun. Um, and I think they tie in really well to this next episode um, where we're going to talk um, lifting heavy to case to squat. We've already kind of hit on some of those topics and the individualization of that and what you can and can't do, but uh, we'll dive a little bit deeper there and um, – Remove some of the fear around it, but again, don't just jump into any of this. Go see Alex. Go see somebody in your area. If you're, we have a bunch of people listening from New Zealand. I was looking at that. Like, if you're in New Zealand, like shout out to my people in New Zealand. We had like 20 listens from people in New Zealand today. And so, if you're in New Zealand, you're listening to this. Go find a fitness professional in your area. Uh, shoot me a message uh, at Golf on Instagram. And uh, I'll send a little something your way. We'll, we'll have a little fun with that. So um, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, peace.
Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always, feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.